0: Google is in the midst of a major upheaval. It's not an understatement to say it could change the way the world's largest internet company operates forever. Since it was founded, Google has had a special relationship with its employees, especially the engineers who write the software code that runs the services we love and have come to depend upon. Things like online search, maps, Android phones, and the Chrome web browser.
1: Google pays these people very well. Famously, working at Google also comes with tons of perks like swimming pools and free food. But what's really unique is the amount of responsibility and autonomy the company gives staff. Google shares an unusual amount of internal company information with its employees and encourages them to speak up about things they disagree with. Over the years, everything from app designs and search results to what kind of kale should be served in the company kitchens has been up for debate.
0: And as a result, Google services and products have benefited from the collective intelligence of many of the world's smartest engineers. It's a big reason why the company's offerings are so user-friendly and why they make billions of dollars in profit every quarter.
1: And this symbiosis ran pretty smoothly until about two years ago. Now, after a series of controversies and protests, some workers are openly at war with Google. It's already derailed important business initiatives and is sparking employee uprisings at other tech giants like Amazon and Microsoft.
0: We're going to take you inside these foundation-shaking developments with Irene Knapp, a self-taught senior software engineer who's been at Google for almost five years, working on security and privacy projects. I'm Pia Gadkari.
1: And I'm Alistair Barr. You're listening to Decrypted.
0: So Alistair, tell us more about Irene.
1: I first met Irene last year at Google's shareholder meeting. Irene was there speaking in favour of a proposal to tie executive pay to progress on diversity and inclusion. Irene has had a front row seat throughout the last two tumultuous years at the company, either by being personally involved in protests or via relationships with co-workers on the front lines. Irene is trans and goes by the gender pronoun they or them. They agreed to talk about all this, but not any private work they're doing for Google. We met up last month at the Bloomberg office in Silicon Valley. Now, I wanted to get into the first time maybe where um, Google management and and some of the workers maybe started parting ways a little bit.
2: So to me, things really go back to... James Damore, in August of 2017, he published what we have all called the memo since then. Um, What I think not a lot of people realize is there were many versions of the memo. It got refined over a period of two weeks so that it could focus on its core argument, which was this misogynist view that women are not suited to be engineers.
1: Let me quickly refresh everyone's memory about this incident. A couple of years ago, Google was facing accusations from a group of female employees that the company was paying them less than men doing similar work. Around that time, a long essay, which had been circulating on Google message boards, got picked up in the press. It was written by James Damore, who was an engineer at Google at the time, and its central theme was that men may be more suited to working in tech than women offensive
2: and harmful that is how the ceo of google is describing an anti-diversity memo written by one of google's male employees now the engineer behind the manifesto which claims women are
1: and how did uh, how would you rate google's response to that crisis the company
2: fired him after getting its legal ducks in a
1: row the google software engineer behind this controversial 10-page memo is out gone after blasting diversity and women in the workplace You
2: know, I was pleased about that. I was not so pleased that there wasn't any internal communication Um, and there there was a planned series of town halls which was cancelled actually about half an hour before the first one would have happened.
0: And why did Google scrap these meetings so abruptly?
1: Irene said questions and answers that had been prepared for the town halls were leaked to the public. Then James Damore and other plaintiffs filed a suit against Google alleging violation of their labour rights. The complaint included screenshots of internal company communications.
2: Conveniently, all the people he politically agreed with, their names had been redacted. But all of my friends had been named in full and many people um, began featuring on um, harassment websites
1: For Irene, this was the moment when Googlers began to really work in unison to change things.
2: Several of us put together a petition um, and we did get a meeting with the company's upper management the last time, to my knowledge, that a petition has had that result, The company has some responsibility there because this is a part of a social change which was enabled by the internet. Um, And, you know, it's... Google, right. Google
1: is a big part of the internet. Google is a
2: big part of the internet.
0: Okay, so that's how it all got started. What happened next?
1: I'd say the next big flare-up between workers and Google management happened several months later. It had to do with a project that Google had in the works with the Pentagon to provide artificial intelligence to analyse drone footage. Internally, it was known as Project Maven. Now, Irene and most other workers didn't hear about this until details were leaked to the press in March 2018. Some
0: 3,000 Googlers, as Google employees are known, have sent CEO Sundar Pichai an open letter asking him to end cooperation with the U.S. Department of Defense's Project
1: Maven. That venture includes... The secrecy around Project Maven seemed to violate Google's practice of open communication with employees. And importantly, it also veered away from the company's focus on consumer products and into military work.
2: Um, As an engineer, I think something perhaps a little bit different When I hear that, I think most people think bombs. I think surveillance, um, because, you know, the United States does have high-flying drones, which could just survey an entire city at once. Um, But I don't think any government deserves that level of power. I think it's too much. If I had wanted to work for a defense contractor, if I would wanted to work for Lockheed Martin, I would have done that.
1: Google employees didn't like working on artificial intelligence projects for the military. They thought it was war work. So they demanded that, we, that Google step back, and they did.
2: Google committed not to renew that contract. To the best of my knowledge, that has happened. Um, although I have the strong feeling um, that that the military may have simply hired some of their staff into a startup and that they're still running it on you know, our public-facing service.
1: That last part is pretty damning. Irene is saying that because Google's cloud services and many of its AI tools are available for anyone to use, there's a way for the company to continue helping the Pentagon without directly working with it.
0: So is that true?
1: I asked Google about this and several other points Irene raised. The company declined to comment, but Google's top lawyer, Kent Walker, has said that Google let the contract expire and worked closely with the Pentagon to make the transition, quote, in a way that is consistent with our AI principles and contractual commitments.
0: So Alistair, as I recall, the controversy over Project Maven died down after Google said it wasn't going to renew the contract.
1: But within a few months, Google was back in hot water with its workers again.
0: Google has been working on a secret project codenamed Dragonfly. Dragonfly was a censored version of its search engine for China. And so today, the New York Times broke the news about a protest letter signed by 1,400 employees. They wanted to, quote, raise urgent moral and ethical issues, saying currently
1: we do not... News about this secret project Dragonfly caused an uproar inside Google.
2: Once again, I found out through the press, and I was frankly shocked, um... Of course, this was going to be a censored search engine. Um, I, I saw a version of the search result page and, you know, working at Google, the search result page, we're all well aware that it has a very high standard to be neutral, to reflect the world as it is, which is not the only possible moral choice, but it is the moral choice that has been consistently made and that the company's reputation is built on. Um, and to see a version of that page where, with a search for Tiananmen Square, which had, I believe, the first result was something about the myth of Tiananmen Square and that it didn't happen or something to that effect.
1: For Irene and other employees, this undermines the reason Google exists, to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful.
2: Because, you know, if, if Google can't be relied on, to say what's true, um, who can't,
1: who do you trust? Project Dragonfly also divided staff. There were other employees who argued that providing services to China's huge population was aligned with Google's mission. But in Washington, it was a double punch.
0: This combination of Google withdrawing from a U.S. military contract while simultaneously building a search service that would help an authoritarian communist government censor information, it was too much for some politicians. Eventually, Google's CEO, Sundar Pichai, had to testify in front of Congress to explain himself. That happened in December 2018.
2: So I want to ask very specifically, are any employees currently having product meetings on this, on this Chinese project? And when, if not, when did those end? Uh, We have undertaken an internal effort, but right now there are no plans to launch a search uh, service in China, as I said earlier. Are there any current discussions with any member of the Chinese government on launching this app? Uh, Currently, we are not in discussions around launching...
1: And President Donald Trump was commenting on this as recently as March. In a tweet, he said, quote, Google is helping China and their military, but not the US. Terrible.
0: We'll be right back.
1: As 2018 progressed, it really started to feel like the clashes between Google management and workers were heating up in a way we'd never seen before. The dragonfly controversy was still playing out in Washington when the next bombshell landed.
0: And what was that?
1: It was a story published by the New York Times in late October and it said that Google had given one of its top executives, a man called Andy Rubin, who co-created the Android mobile operating system, a massive $90 million exit package, even though he'd been accused of sexual harassment and an internal investigation by Google had found the allegation to be credible. Andy Rubin has said reports about his conduct and departure from Google misrepresented the facts.
2: I knew that was in the works. Um, I was very pleased that it was possible to tell that story, and it was possible to gather testimony from so many people um, that it was simply, you know, incontrovertible, uh, I felt. Um, And the response was pretty much immediate. I think it was within a matter of days the walkout happened. Fight back!
1: And who who, who came up with that? Did, that? did that start spontaneously or...?
2: Yes, actually. It was a number of people who I had previously worked with, although I gathered that they had been doing things very similar to the kinds of efforts I had been doing. You know, I came from a remote part of that campus that day. I headed down um, to join the... It was really a protest atmosphere. Um, and, you know, hold my sign, not OK Google. And... Um, hear what people had to say and um, see the real strength in numbers. And I believe the final number was 20,000 people worldwide.
1: We demand structural change in the name of transparency,
2: accountability, and equity.
1: Google tried to contain the rage by going along with the protest to some degree. CEO Sundar Pichai made sure that managers could make arrangements to cover for staff who wanted to take part. And how how did the the company... Because in a way, in a way, they were kind of supportive. I think
2: they bought us a table of like bagels and coffee. Um, I, I joked like the revolution will be catered. Uh, but then I realized it's not it's not really a joke. <laughs> it's um, it's actually a very common management tactic to portray any dissent as officially sanctioned.
1: For, for you personally, what, what do you think are the most important things that actually have changed so far?
2: I think the biggest thing that has changed is that Googlers understand that we need to talk to each other, or we won't understand what's going on in their company. If we don't, you know, share our stories, we won't know. We'll just all be compartmentalized, and everyone who's going through something horrible, something like any what any of the women who spoke to that reporter experienced, they'll just think, "Oh, this is just me. Um, I'm alone. Maybe I'm the crazy one," which is. Certainly how companies everywhere have always tried to make people feel in those situations. And Google was no exception.
0: Alistair, what's happened to Irene and all the other Google workers who've been protesting so much in the last couple of years? I can't imagine Google is very pleased with them.
1: Well, some employees said recently that Google has retaliated against them. So I brought that up with Irene.
2: Personally, what I have experienced is everybody I know, everybody who's doing... Positive change at the company, um, who's working to make the place better, um, has been feeling disheartened, um, has experienced you know something, even if it's even if it's small, even if it's an interaction with HR where they say, um, you know, step back from communicating on, on, on internal mailing lists, and you say. Um, well, are you telling me that I have to do that or are you suggesting? And they say, oh, I'm just suggesting. And then afterward, they follow up and they try to get it in writing that they told you you have to and you follow up and you say, no, I. that's not my recollection of the meeting. It was just advice, correct? You're not telling me that I can't.
1: And why, why, why would they do something like that?
2: Just a typical tactic. I don't think they're any different from any other company in that regard. It's um, you know establishing a contemporaneous written record of what happened is likely to carry more weight than your testimony about how that conversation really went.
1: Some protesters say they've been demoted or had responsibilities taken away. One of these people is Meredith Whittaker. She's a Google researcher who specializes in AI and co-founded a group called AI Now that studies the impact of this technology on society.
2: So she founded a nonprofit called AI Now, which, you know, in my opinion, as an engineer who's worked, is relevant to this stuff, um, is doing absolutely incredible work. Meredith was told, um, and the form of it was a bit ambiguous, I think, that she would not be able to focus on that work in her capacity at Google and that the company's priorities were no longer aligned with AI now, which is a startling thing to say since it's like saying the company's priorities are no longer aligned with what's good for the world.
0: Then in May, some Googlers organized a sit-in to share stories of retaliation by the company. But this event was a lot smaller than the walkout protest.
1: Google has policies to prohibit retaliation at work and provides ways for workers to report such behaviour and it investigates all reports. But Irene said the company didn't sanction the sit-in. Combined with reports of retaliation, people may have felt nervous about taking part.
2: I think this is the test of, um, you know, can they get rid of what they must view as the troublemakers and will that work? I think everybody else is watching to see what happens to us, the core group.
1: And how do you feel? It sounds like you feel a bit targeted.
2: Yes, not as an individual, but as a member of that group.
1: And what do you think is going to happen to the group?
2: I think we're going to win. I think the company's tactics here show a great desperation. They wouldn't do anything so blatant if they had any better options. Um, I think they know how the world views this now, and that they know that Google isn't some magical place where everything is perfect, um, that it's a company like any other corporation, um, like any other multinational corporation that, uh, you know, ultimately tries its best to think of people as interchangeable.
1: Okay, I want listeners to stop and mull that last comment for a second. I've been covering Google on and off for about five years, so this is shocking to hear. Co-founder Larry Page has always wanted Google to be an unconventional company. But here, Irene is saying this is no longer the case.
0: So Ali, I'm curious about whether all of these protests by employees are starting to hurt Google's business in any way.
1: I think it could for sure. I think Google's ability to hire and keep talent is a really underappreciated part of its success and you know these these protests really are are all about how that special relationship between Google and its workers has started to break down so it could be it could be a lot harder to to keep hold of talented people or hire new ones
0: and so what about Google's actual businesses? You know, we've already heard that Google had to step away from Project Maven, which is a valuable contract that could have led to more business. Are there other um, projects that are at risk in a similar way?
1: I think the main thing to look at here is Google's cloud computing business. This is the business of where you basically have a bunch of servers and data centers and you rent them out to other companies. And Amazon and Microsoft really lead in that business. It's a really booming industry. And Google is third and a bit Late to, to that business. Now, a big cloud customer in the US is, is the US military and, and the broader US government. So if officials worry that Google staff are going to keep derailing projects like Maven, that could make them pick Amazon or Microsoft, you know, when other contracts come up for bidding.
0: And what about the popularity of the CEO, Sundar Pichai? He's historically been quite popular within the company. And I wonder if that's beginning to change at all.
1: So there was a an internal... Employee survey that um, actually Google does it every year. This latest one, which came out in around early 2019, it, it again got leaked into the press. We we wrote about it as well, and it it, it showed that among employees, Sundar Pichai is still um, still has a solid rating, but actually it went down by by more than ten percentage points compared to compared to the previous year. So there has been there has been a drop in the way that employees think about him. And Over the last few months, Pichai has had to address the protests from workers. He said that Google has listened to concerns about the way the military uses AI, and the company's made quite a few changes in response. He's also said that employees should be able to choose what they work on, but he emphasized that Google is going to continue working with the US military. Here's a clip of him talking about this in November at a New York Times conference.
2: We don't run the company by referendum, and I think there are many things good about we have given employees a lot of voice, and out of which uh, we've done well as a company. And, and I think it's part of the process. I think other companies may not be used to it. And so it looks like, you know, that is how everything works. But that's not how everything works. There are decisions we make which they may not how agree often with. Are you frustrated, though?
0: And then coming back to Irene, I'm wondering how they're feeling at this point. Because employees have managed to push through some real change at Google. At the same time, these recent reports of retaliation must not be very encouraging.
1: Yeah, I did ask them about that. I wondered, looking back over this, roughly a year, even more than a year, um, do you think it's all been worth it so oh,
2: far? Absolutely no question. I, I came to the tech industry and to Google with the idealistic goal of making positive change in the world. And I still feel that Google does that in some respects. Um, and I also feel greatly privileged to be in a position where I can make my own positive change to the company, or
0: at least try to. And has this come at a personal cost to Irene?
1: Yes, Irene also talked about the toll of anonymous people goading and harassing them online.
2: Frankly, we're talking about white supremacists here, and they are as shallow as you can possibly imagine, perhaps more shallow. I think they, they would say that somebody like me is, um, they might say, defective, or they would just expressed disbelief that anybody of my role could possibly um, be somebody at all important, um, that anybody like me could do anything significant.
1: Irene managed to remain calm through more than an hour of discussing all this with me. The only time they really got upset was discussing how these anonymous harassers targeted Google co-founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin.
2: But you see, the founders are you know, they have Jewish backgrounds of various natures. And so to these a**holes, uh, Larry and Sergey, who are brilliant engineers, um, who you know invented the algorithm that the company is built on personally, um, are simply non-entities because Jewish. It's just so shallow.
1: It was clear to me from this that Irene still loves Google, at least what the company used to stand for and what it could once again be. Now, what do you think the future looks for, for both you you and and Google and you at Google?
2: Excellent question. I don't know, you know, how much longer I'll be with the company. Everybody reaches their limit, and you can't um, rely on single individuals forever. But I think that um, there are many people at the company now who are aware of all these issues and tapped in and. I know that we now have a robust movement to hold the industry accountable. It's not even just Google anymore.
0: And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening.
1: If you have a story to share, or if you're a tech worker who's concerned about the company you work at, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at decrypted at Bloomberg.net, or I'm on Twitter at Alastair M. Barr.
0: And I'm at Pia Gadkari. And please help us spread the word about our show by leaving us a rating or review in your favorite podcast app.
1: This episode was produced by Pierre Gadkari and Lindsay Cratterwill. Our story editor was Aki Ito. Thank you also to Anne van der May and Emily Buso. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week.